Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So Spain against Canada will be the final of the Davis Cup. And uh, it's been another day where we keep thinking, oh, it's going to be an early night tonight. <laughs> and here we are, one o'clock in the morning, my time and Catherine's time, two o'clock in the morning, Matt's time. And we've had yet more drama and it's hard to know where to start. So I think we'll work our way backwards because the the... the Two tiebreak sets we've just had in the doubles between Great Britain and Spain were so captivating, so so thrilling, really, in terms of just the the energy and the excitement generated. I don't know. I I, I just feel as though that was as good as sport gets. I mean, forget formats, whatever. Just that was two teams going at it in the most incredibly passionate stadium, and. Rafael Nadal just underlined his Superman status, Catherine. Yes, I'm annoyed that Matt already used Mary Carrillo's line about Nadal yesterday. I went (laughs) too early. Um, Because it was called to mind again today, wasn't it? I mean, he is a force of nature. And to think that we're still sort of seeing facets of him that I don't feel like I've seen before Mm. at 33 years of age, given everything he's he's just done. Yeah, it does, which defies logic. I mean, this sounds, it's going to sound ridiculous, but have you ever seen Nadal that pumped before? That uh, certainly on a par with any pumped Nadal that I've seen in the, in the past. Bregera was asked that afterwards, and he said, well, he's just like this in every match. Now, <laughs> I happen but to agree as, with you. Not as dem- demonstrably. No. Um, I mean, and it was what really struck me was when he kicked off uh, the umpire about that, uh, about that inability to, or she wasn't letting them challenge an out call. And he just couldn't handle it. And he went <laughs> charging up to her, and he was shouting. Uh, impossible to be any faster. 
and and she she wouldn't back He's down. Except so he charges, without the verbs. <laughs> yeah. So she he charges up to Wayne McHugh and the referee, and he says the same thing to him. He comes over and and talks to the umpire, and they're in agreement. We're not backing down here. And then he he goes stomping back to the baseline, and he grabs hold of Feliciano Lopez by the kind of collar, and he just punches him in the chest. And he's and I mean I I don't know what he said, but the gist I got was right. Then we're going to shove it up everybody now. Now, I don't care what happens now. We're going to destroy these people uh, because we're not just not having it. That's the, I mean, Matt, you were in the stadium. You tell us. Yeah, I was trying to work out all evening whether it was better to be in Neil Skupski and Jamie Murray's position of being facing that intensity from the Dahl or Feliciano Lopez and having to try and match that intensity of Nadal. I, I felt for everyone on that court because Nadal's presence and intensity was so overwhelming in that stadium and in that match. And ultimately, there were four players on that court. They all played extremely well in parts. Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski, the whole match. Lopez was a little bit more up and down. But I just could not take my eyes off Nadal. He imposed himself, his game, his aura, everything on the whole stadium. And everyone was hanging. You know how people say people kind of hang on someone's every word? Well, everyone was hanging on every Nadal shot because there was just an an expectancy that he would do something brilliant with it. And in that second set tie break... Marion Skupski had a set point at 6-5 and the point Nadal played will stay with me forever. I think, firstly, the fact that he was on the ad side was a significant factor. It meant that he was getting the important points. Lots of the important points are played on the ad side. It was a good serve. He had a backhand return that was dipping and low at the toes, but he got a really short volley that he had to charge up towards, and he did. Well, it was a shanked volley. It was a, right. Jamie Murray got it off the frame of his racket. Okay. That's why it sort of dropped so short. Okay, and then he charged up to it, and running full pelt, he still managed to have the softest hands and just lobbed it over Jamie Murray, I think it was, who then scampered back. It landed... So close to the baseline, Jamie Murray threw up a really good defensive lob and the dog just sort of moved Feliciano Lopez out of the way as if to say, <laughs> this smash is mine. And he nailed it for a winner straight down the middle. And the place erupted, took the roof off. And I, and I will never forget that moment. And it was, it was Rafael Nadal just doing what he does, and yet it still managed to surprise me. I, like you said, I still feel like we saw more from Nadal than I've ever seen from him. It was, it was, it was mind-boggling. Mm. And, and, you know, to put it into perspective, we were really close up. I was courtside watching Feliciano Lopez play doubles with Andy Murray this summer at Queen's, and I remember feeling how... What a, what a presence Lopez has on, the, on a doubles court <laughs> and how pumped he was. And yet... Stood next to Nadal, he just looks nothing <laughs> he by comparison. Decidedly low energy, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I thought that Neil Skupski in particular played a a really brilliant match because all this all this stuff we're saying about Nadal, there really is no way you can prepare for that. He's never played Nadal before, and for him to come out and play as well as he did 
under that pressure against Nadal playing like that, I thought he showed me something that I've certainly never seen from him before as well. Has Jamie Murray ever played Nadal? Uh, apparently, uh, I think Stu Fraser tweeted that he'd beaten Nadal in 2007. So I'm not sure how relevant that would have been to tonight. Uh, whether they've played since, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I mean... Was Yelena Yankovic his partner back then <laughs> for that match? Um, the, look, the, I, I've just listened to the, the press conference that the British team did and, and Neil Skupski was asked what it was like facing that, that forehand for the first time. And he said, you know, it took me, quite a, it took me a few games to get mm. used to the, the pace of, of his shots. But I got... I got there eventually and actually I mean goodness me he held his own and when they were I think when they were at 6-4 in that seconds of tie break it it felt like a it was going to be a travesty if they didn't win that set mm. and yet at the same time when because of that point that you described that Nadal won for Spain he just ripped it from their grasp and look it was it was hard on the British pair not to have a third set there but how can you deny Nadal? I, d I don't think there's a human on the planet that could have stopped him today in that mood, in that form. And I include even the great Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer in that. I just don't see how in front of that crowd anybody could have stopped him. Um, it, it, it's, it's impossible to play better under pressure tennis than what Nadal did in that tiebreak because he followed up that amazing point I described with... A kind of an inside-out forehand winner. A shot that you just don't that, see on the doubles court. He, yeah. He used it, Feliciano Lopez as a as a sort of human shield for himself or, mm. or a sight screen or a sort of combination yeah. thereof. Um, and, I don't know, maybe that was fluke, but it just didn't feel it in the moment, did it? Jamie Murray was, was there, he had a play on it, but he didn't see the ball until it was too late because Feliciano Lopez was, was blocking the the line of sight. It was yeah, mind bending. And and just to continue what you were saying about Nadal showing us stuff you know, new stuff, for Nadal to be playing this tennis at the end of the season this well, this often. He's playing twice a day <laughs> and he's winning, both of them. And normally Nadal can't really make it to the end of the season, let alone look as ravenous and as just brilliant as he is. And okay, he missed the Asian swing, but he's he's played a very full season this year. He's you know we've talked about all the semi-finals he's reached. He's played a lot of tennis, and he's still going this strong. Just day uh, two weeks after that Zverev match, the the transformation is completely remarkable. I'm really struggling well, to get my head around it. He said he needed tennis and momentum, didn't he? What he needed was to be playing two matches a day for, for, <laughs> for two weeks. And he's, and you know, he's got his wish. Two, it is two weeks ago, well, it's two days short of two weeks ago that that match happened. And when that match happened, I was in the commentary box describing it next to Dan Evans. And it takes me back to the fact that when... When I asked Evans who's going to win the tournament, who do you think, who do you fancy for this? He said, "Oh, Nadal, absolutely Nadal." This was before that match, um, mm. and I mean, look, he felt he was so shocked by that performance from Nadal that day. I mean, obviously he hadn't played in ages; he was rusty, he was coming off an injury, all the question marks. 
But even all the way through the match, you could see it. Evans just couldn't understand what was going on when he was watching Nadal against Zverev. He couldn't, he couldn't understand how it didn't end up happening. He obviously just reveres him to such a degree. And then later on in the week, when he had a couple of his his matches that he won, he 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 messaged to say, "I told you, I told you." When he plays, <laughs> when he plays his best, I don't think anybody can live with him. And then suddenly, last night, you know, after that incredible win for Evans um, in his final group match, uh, I said to him. Hey, you got Nadal now. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, and he was, you know, he was trying to sort of kind of back himself. But, you know, he, pl- I think Evans played as well as he can possibly play for eight games to four all. Much like their meeting in Montreal uh, mm. earlier in the summer, um, Dan Evans played, played a brilliant match, absolutely flat out. It's just a horrible matchup for him. Um, and it just as impressed as I was it just felt inevitable didn't it the result always felt inevitable and it's it's interesting it's interesting hearing you say that about how Evans felt about Nadal having stood on the other side of the court with him and also hearing you know at the same tournament Sitsipas saying you know without stopping to catch breath when asked who the toughest of, of the big three was to play for him, you know, Nadal. Of course, Nadal. And he he spoke for everyone else. And he said, oh, yeah, everyone thinks Nadal. And look, I mean, obviously, that is in part due to how brilliant a tennis player he is. But I, I think it's I think it's the aura. I think it's that way he imposes himself on a tennis court. I cannot imagine poor old Jamie Murray and Neil Skubsky, brilliant tennis players, great doubles team, really rose to the occasion today have got so much to be proud of. I mean, Jamie Murray's a, a Davis Cup winner himself and a and a Grand Slam champion, but but they look like they look like two blokes from the park, didn't they, in comparison to just the electricity coming off Nadal. I mean, I could feel it from London and it was in Madrid. It was just mesmerizing, utterly mesmerizing. Let's actually hear from Jamie Murray in that press conference. I, I found one of his answers really interesting, talking about the power of doubles and and what it was like, you know, playing Nadal and having this, as you say, a completely different sport almost that they bring to the court. It's not conventional doubles. Let's have a listen to this. You know, tennis is, you know, for the last ten years, it's been about the big four and it's been about stars. But actually, there's a hell of a lot of amazing talent on the ATP tour, and I think. Um, you know, doubles has a huge part to play in that. And I think when you get, you know, a lot of those guys competing in the doubles, you know, the level is incredibly high. I think nowadays with the way that the sport is, there's different ways to play doubles, different ways to win at doubles. And, you know, we're more traditional players who like to serve and volley and come to the net and use those sort of skills. You know, Rafa he plays a more, let's say, unorthodox way, maybe, which is a lot more common now in, in the game because these guys can, you know, they serve big and then, you know, they have great ground strokes that make it difficult to, to volley against. But that's what makes it, you know, fun to see that those sort of different styles on the, on the court together. Um, and, you know, I think you saw tonight, like, you know, that that's doubles at its best, really. I mean... 
you've got one of the greatest players ever on the court competing for his for his country and you know make or break match um, and you know it was an exciting match it was really close match there was a lot of good exchanges um, you know everyone was was playing well and you know for, you know unfortunately for us we we lost but I think overall it's um, you know it's definitely a positive thing to kind of see these guys fighting so hard on the doubles court to win a point for their for their country I, f- I find that a perfect example of of how I mean that was towards the end of the press conference with Jamie Murray and at the start he was asked about it and he was you know he was philosophical but obviously very deflated as they as all the team were but he kind of almost worked it out of his system by talking about it and then by the end of the the press conference he he was in a position and I think all of them were where they're actually they feel really proud and as though they've been part of something really special tonight and yeah it's I mean it's just another example of how this this event this format I think can work and the best part about the whole thing has been the deciding doubles rubbers in these ties what is it five out of six now Matt yeah that's right five of the last six ties have gone down to the doubles and how and many, the, how and many the, sorry how many sorry. of those have been d- deciding set tie breaks three mm, not sure but there's there's yeah two or three for sure um yeah. you know both both the Russian ones were, um, and then obviously this was two tie breaks, not a deciding set tie break, but it kind of it, it kind of like feel it, like yeah. a final lower kit. Um, and the you know I just think that the doubles has always been such a big day in Davis Cup, and it used to be it used to be great that it had its own day, which was really nice, but it was it was never as we said yesterday, it was never the most important match because there was often time, there was there was a chance to make up for it afterwards or it was already 2-0 and the tie was heading one way. Now, when the doubles is played, it is the most important match because it is the decider and you're going to get occasions where you have teams who have a doubles specialists and you're going to get teams who have great singles players and they're going to be drafted in and that is always going to be such an interesting and fun thing to watch what Jamie was saying there about the different styles of doubles and I just think the way that it's set up now we're going to we're going to see a lot more of that and and I'm 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 here for it another uh, a couple of things that Leon Smith said in the press conference that I wanted to just raise one was we heard, I think, I think we touched on it last night, how Britain were trying to scramble tickets together to get some people in the stadium and, they, and they'd worked out, they'd got 400 and then those all sold out and they went and got another 400. So they had, you know, they sold out, they got virtually 1,000 people in the stadium, which was, which was a fantastic effort, I think, from the team to <laughs> kind of Elderly British up. fans. <laughs> Every time the camera <laughs> cut to them, um, I heard Matt saying, the elderly British fans... <laughs> Was I wrong? No, you weren't. <laughs> People with disposable income who can yeah, get there. The retired. But, you know, they they got free tickets and, and I thought that was a great effort from 
well, from the LTA to organise it mm. and from from the players to kind of get behind it and whip up the frenzy of interest. You know, that was just, that was brilliant. And uh, Leon was talking about his impressions of the week and things that need to be better. And obviously there's the things like the schedule and all those sort of things. But he said, you know, the the thing that we, we take away from with Davis Cup is what was the atmosphere like? And obviously tonight it was incredible. But because of the lack of home and away with anybody else other than Spain, you just you really risk losing that and he said he feels that when they go away and they'll do they'll do all sorts of brainstorming and feedback meetings on this stuff he says he'd like to think that they're going to find a way to direct a a budget a, a package of whatever the money that all these federations are getting into finding a way to get a group a hardcore group of fans to these to these ties because you know, it lives and dies by its atmosphere, doesn't it? Um, he he was sorry, Matt. You were going to say? Well, I was just going to say that is absolutely fundamental. That I really do think that needs to happen. And even if it's just one of the ties on Stadium Two or Stadium Three, we saw the impact that the travelling British fans had on those courts and the travelling Canadian fans. And if if all the teams had a support like that then all those group stage matches would have been elevated even further and we we wouldn't really have been talking probably about the atmosphere because it would have been there however is is it came to me today is there a problem with the fact that this is going to, this is in Spain for this year it's going to be in Spain next year Spain are one of the best teams if they've got especially if they've got Nadal and is this tournament thriving be- because of the fact that Spain are doing well in it? If if this was held in a country where the host nation wasn't doing so well, what would the atmosphere have been like in there tonight? And you know, if there wasn't Nadal, how much how much of the success is the Nadal factor? Is the Spain factor? I I do think that's a, con- a slight concern going forward. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. The, the same the same thoughts occurred to me. You know, is is the Nadal and Spain factor sort of providing a bit of a, a fig leaf um, over over a potentially major issue? I mean, there's a slight chicken and egg factor there in that mm. you know I think Spain's success and Nadal's success is is being amplified by the fact that they are in Spain and they're having enjoying the home support that is assisting sure. assisting them all but yeah without question i think that's definitely something that they should consider and not ignore uh, and 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 their whole model sorry david their whole model of the kind of world cup style event you know world cups are not held every year no and and they do move around and i i, I don't necessarily i'm not necessarily against the fact that spain have had the the home advantage for the whole tournament i don't i don't necessarily find that too much of a problem but if it's going to be in spain and i think there is an argument to keep it in madrid to try and build it and try and grow some momentum with it but you know if it's there for two three more years that that seems a little bit unfair Um, i think there's a a major credibility issue even having it there for next year now that we've had it Mm. here for this year how is that fair how is that fair on all those other 
all the other nations when you've got this massive home support fine for a year have a have a host nation but but let's be honest there's there's always going to be an element of unfairness this event is never going to be held in colombia is it mm. it's not it can't be it i mean even just holding it outside of europe is going to be challenging just because so many of the nations involved are european just practically to encourage fans to travel, which, as we've just all identified as the single biggest ingredient to success, taking it away from Europe. You've at least is- got to have a South American option, though, the same way as you have for a World Cup in football, I think, and Argentina. I, I, th- I mean, for fairness purposes, I agree with you, and that feels right, but I think that would be problematic. Crowds-wise, fans-wise, I mean, atmosphere-wise. I don't know. I mean, look how many... I know it's Roger Federer, but look how many people he is bringing out in South America right now. 42,000 in Mexico. I know it's Roger Federer. But what if it's Rafael Nadal? What if What if it's another big star? I mean, these people, if, if it's promoted right, um, the, the, there's a massive interest in in sport in South America. As there is in in Madrid, but it doesn't mean they're out watching GB Belgium. No, well, look, I, I I take that point certainly, but I also think the Magic Box is one of the most extreme examples of of a soulless stadium. Now, it they made it rock tonight, but it's the one of the most difficult stadia around, I think, for that. But no, I I think it's it's one of the, the big questions I have is how can you how can you take be taken seriously as a competition if you're going to return to the same place? I, I think there's a that's a big problem. Yeah, you, you almost wonder whether they could do a kind of Eurovision style thing. If you win it, you host it, kind of thing, mm. or or something a little bit outside the box like that, so that it will get shared around. But yeah, I mean the practical, you know, places need to have the facilities to be able to host it. You know that multiple courts are needed. That's that's another debate. Maybe even three isn't enough for this tournament, given the late finishes. Maybe they even need larger venues. There are a lot of logistical question marks about the 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 tournament in this format, and yet from a feel and a concept perspective. It kind of feels right, but I don't know. I don't know how they go forward with it, given given all we've just discussed. Well, they've just got lots of work to do for a start. Yeah, um, and they're not going to please everybody. Um, they're, they're not. They're going to have it in Spain next year. Maybe they'll. Maybe they'll decide on a hard fast rule for that in the future and not have the same uh, uh, venue every year. But we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I think that they've they've had enough good news out of this. I think to to be able to be encouraged. There's been loads mm. and loads of stuff wrong, but crikey, the moments that we've had from this event, as you said about Nadal, they will stay with me. There are some there's some moments from this tournament that I will remember. Uh, incidentally, one of the thing that slightly annoyed was uh, Leon Smith was the the substitution of Lopez in for Corona Buster at the very last second. Um, that sounded a bit a bit. I don't know how you how you do that if you've submitted your designated player and then they get injured, whether that should just be a walkover. But anyway, um, it was allowed. Sorry, Catherine, you were going to say something? I can't remember what I was going to say now, but I can't can't imagine Sergi Bruguera doing doing dodgy dealings. 
Can you? <laughs> no, no, I can't actually. I, I just, I just think it was strange because there was talk of Crenyabusta being injured from the Spanish press conference last night. It was mentioned, and then all throughout the day, the, the local journalists were, you know, telling everyone basically that Crenyabusta is probably not going to be playing. And then suddenly he's in the team when the nominations are put forward, and then somewhat mysteriously with five minutes to go he's changed it it felt dodgy now perhaps something did happen to him extra in that in that final hour before before the match but you know we don't know the situation as it turned out it didn't affect the singles but you know you do wonder whether I've, I've talked before I think about the best doubles players often being singles players who've already played that day and you know Lopez found his groove a little bit in that singles and came out and he actually didn't play great in the doubles I didn't think he served really well but other than that he was kind of the weak link on the court so whether it had any impact on the on the tie probably not but yeah it, it felt a bit wrong uh, we still don't know why Andy Murray didn't play do we? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. No. No. I do find it odd. I do find it odd. There must be something wrong. He... he, Quite surprisingly, he wasn't asked about it in the press conference, uh, uh, Leon Smith. And I know he was yesterday asked about it. And he he sort of said uh, he's not 
he's not ready to play and I've chosen these these guys and they've they've produced so it, that kind of went away without incident but today there were a couple of moments one when you realized what you're up against with Nadal his sort of force mm. of nature presence and there was as, as brilliant as Neil Skupski was today and and he deserved to play there was a moment where you just saw Nadal walk out and you just thought just imagine if the Murray brothers walked out right now as well um just in terms of matching up that that personality out there um but he was there looking terribly miserable courtside and and just going through hell yeah i mean i felt the same i for, for, for just for sheer aura purposes um to try to try and fight the force of nature on on the opposite side of the court i thought the only chance of combating that would be with with the Murray brothers and ended up feeling guilty for, for having felt that as I watched, you know, Neil Skubsky rise to the occasion and be really, as much as he doesn't have kind of Murray or Nadal-esque aura and presence, he's an incredibly cool cucumber. I was really struck by that. I really didn't doubt his nerve at any stage. Because the noise people make when he was about to try and serve in that second set tiebreak, mm. for instance, I don't know how they they concentrate when when the crowd is kind of whistling and and if they miss the first serve and then they kick off again and, and as you say, he just kept at it. I I was mightily impressed. Yeah. Some players just just come good, don't they, in the Davis Cup? And that's two wins and pushing the Dow close. That's a pr- pretty good effort. That yeah. Meanwhile, Andy Murray sank into a state of Sitapas esque despair on the sidelines. There was yeah. there was a there was a prolonged. A camera shot of him as as Skubsky and his his brother were were walking off court. The the one of the cameras on the side of the court just panned to Andy Murray, and it was his face was frozen in a state of just deep despair. It was oh, it was horrifying. I mean, I mean, for a for a tennis player who has achieved as much as Andy Murray to be set inches away from that court and not being able to do anything about it that was un- unfolding must have must have been agonizing and normally tennis players watching tennis is one of my absolute favorite things um Felix Auger-Aliassime this week for example has been just great to watch in the box fist pumping Andy Murray watching tennis is one of my least favorite <laughs> things. It it just made me made me sad. He was he was squirming and biting his nails and sort of sinking into his chair and hiding behind his hands. Oh, he he was going through hell. Andy Murray watching his brother. That's the, the yeah, one, isn't he it? He didn't. He deliberately yeah. didn't sit on the front row, didn't he? He wanted mm. to hide himself away. He knew he would be projecting his angst, which he very much was. and yet he he wouldn't go away he stuck it out um but we don't know what's wrong with him and um yeah i kind of want to know um whether it's any more serious than what we knew about it's not just biscuits it is not just biscuits no i mean i mean having a day off after that match was was understandable um having another two and not playing again in the entire tournament well, there's something wrong, so I want to know what it is, but we don't know. Anyway, we'll find out, I'm sure, in due course. Um, now, 
Spain are going to play Canada in the final tomorrow. Canada beating Russia. Uh, quite a fantastic result for Canada, having come from a, a rubber behind because Vasset Pospisil finally beaten by uh, Andrei Rublev. Denis Shapovalov is producing, isn't he? Isn't he doing well, really, to, to step up? I know he's sti- he can still be erratic, and he was against Alex Dimonor the other day. But he's showing some metal here, I think. And great, great performance from Canada. The first ever Davis Cup final for them, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And he, yeah, Denis Shapovalov has been really great. Uh, not, not always the most brilliant tennis that he's capable of. I don't, I don't think. But in a way, that's that's why he's been so impressive because he's been managing to win without just kind of blowing people off the court necessarily. He's had a, quite a lot of tight sets, difficult situations. And yeah, he's he's been really impressive. And this was a big, big tie for him against Russia. He's obviously got some Russian heritage and, you know, so and he's got a Russian coach, Mikhail Yuzny. So, so there was that connection for him out on the court today. But yeah, he was he was really great. And to see him combine with Pospisil this week because the the partnership everyone was talking about was was Orger Aliasim and Shapovalov. That's the that's the more natural partnership in the in the Canadian squad. But obviously Orger Aliasim not quite being fit enough because of his ankle. I actually asked um Shapovalov and Pospisil in press, you know, what was your what was your relationship like before this tournament? And had, have you played much before? And this is the first time they've played doubles together, Pospisil and Shapovalov. And Shapovalov said he's always looked up to Pospisil and wanted to play with him ever since he won Wimbledon. And Pospisil said, yeah, we've, we've, we've been through something special together here and we're going to be stronger because of that. And it's good for our team going forward that this that this is a partnership that we've developed and a relationship that we've kind of nurtured on court. And yeah, there's there's something there's something really powerful about them. For them to be able to beat Hachinov and Rublev, who have already got that pre-established friendship before the tie, I thought was just incredibly impressive from them. I think we all picked Hachinov and Rublev yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought Russia would make it. Um, Pospisil afterwards asked about the comparison between the Davis Cup ties he's played and the atmospheres he's played in before and this one. Uh, and his, his captain, Frank Dancevic, was, was interested to listen to as well. Listen to these two. I feel like the, the emotions are comparable, to be honest. I like, Well, this is the first semifinal. I mean, this is even even... I don't know if it was even more emotional. I, th- I feel like there's been so much, such a big build-up to, to this day. Just we'd played so many matches to get to to the semifinals, so it's it's you know yeah it's a best of three format now, but I wouldn't say it's uh, less taxing on the body, um, especially if you have to play singles doubles every day. I mean I feel like it's pretty similar. At least my feeling. I still feel like it's you know like we're playing Davis Cup. There's so much on the line. The, you know you have the, the we have you know great great uh fans uh that flew in and so it just felt very similar to to playing um any other davis cup tie except it just for some reason feels like there's <clears throat> more on the line because all the players are here all the teams are here so in some ways that that uh you know makes it kind of feel even bigger if that if that makes sense uh i don't know but um yeah feels 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 amazing and i would i would still say you know that they're 
for, from a player's perspective, from my perspective, it seems very sim similar. It's been an amazing ride so far as a captain. It's quite new to me. Uh, I've been doing this for you know two years now, I believe, two and a, two and a half years. So it's it's quite new, and uh, to be in this position this early in my my captain career is amazing. I mean, these guys have a great team to, to back it up. These guys are world class players, and and they're playing. They play. I mean, this week they played lights out, and. I just think that uh, you know I'm I'm really really happy with with everything that's going on. I wasn't expecting it to be honest. I know we have a great team. I know we're great players, but to be in the finals of Davis Cup is a really big deal. And and to be here, it's it's sort of surreal. But uh, you know, it's kind of gathering the emotions right now. And and we have a shot at the title. So I was telling these guys on the chair when I was when I was sitting on match point. My you know my heart was beating so fast that I was actually starting to black out a little bit before the match point. I was trying to control my breathing and just telling myself to breathe slowly and stay calm. And we're you know we're close to this. So Frank Dancevic basically passing out while he's courtside. Not very helpful. Um, but you know I mean what a what an experience for for those guys and and to be in the final now. Um, and and it's I do love the way Canada embraces tennis. The way they've embraced the Andrescu story and these uh, the young Canadian men as well it's it's a fantastic story and they've, they've come out in numbers to support them as well do they have do you think do you, do you think they have a better chance of beating Spain in the final than Britain did or do, or do you do you think it's going to be straightforward do you think do you think we'll get doubles tomorrow so oh that's a good question Shapovalov does not have a good record against top top players no I, I don't give him I, I don't give him much chance against Nadal um, so who do we think will play as Spain's number two do we have do we assume Lopez well they were in the Spanish portion of the press conference tonight they were saying that quite unbelievably really but there is a chance that Bautista Agu will come back and play he was there today he was. with the team. There was, in fact, a caught on camera really um, moving uh, moment between uh, Nadal and, and him and Embrace in, in the tunnel before they were due to walk out. Um, no words spoken, but none needed. Um, obviously very emotional for the Spanish team. Bautista, if you, if you didn't hear our show of a couple of nights ago, lost his father a few days ago and uh, and left the team as a result of that, but has come back today. So, yeah, I mean, incredibly moving to see the pictures of him. I mean, that would be that would be something if he played. So, so yeah, I think so. it's about whether Pospisil, I think, can beat Spain's number two. And, and Pospisil isn't really fully fit is he Matt I mean he has put himself through the ringer oh absolutely he he's got a bit of a shoulder problem he was getting heavy massage on his shoulder during that uh doubles it didn't didn't seem to affect him too much but it's clearly bothering him um well, and they've just, got no one else. <laughs> no, I know they're um, sort of saying Auger Aliassi might be just about fit, but he's not played for weeks. I mean, yeah, to expect him to come in and play, I think, would be incredibly difficult. I think they'll stick with Pospisil, yeah. doggy sh shoulder or not. Just um, inject some anaesthetic into that shoulder, and off you go, Vashek. <laughs> Compromise I mean, your whole career, yep. but for that moment. 
Frank um, Frank Dangshevich is an interesting captain because I think he must be one of the most understated captains. You know, he's not he didn't have a brilliant singles career really. You know, like like uh, Leighton Hewitt or Amadi Fish, who were captains. Um, Nicholas Massou, and equally, he's not he's not like a Leon Smith or a Tarpishev who've who've got lots and lots of experience in the Davis Cup. And yet, I think because he's a similar kind of age to a lot of the players, and he's been on the tour with them, I think the players do connect with him quite well. I think there's a relatability there, and it doesn't doesn't feel like there's a hierarchy in the in the Canadian team. Um, it almost feels like Shapovalov and Pospisil. You know, everyone's directing the questions to him. Whereas, for example, in to, sorry to them. Whereas in Britain's press conference, Leon Smith gets a lot of the questions. He feels like the team spokesperson, but it's less so with um, with Dankovic. Um And what we were saying yesterday about the kind of end of a golden generation for Serbia. Well, this very much feels like the start of a golden generation for. Canadian tennis. I mean, it's already started with with Andreescu and Shapovalov and Ojeda seem rising, but just just for them to be in a Davis Cup final without really using well, they haven't used Ojeda seem. You know, think think what they could be doing in, in future years. It does does feel like the start of a kind of Canadian power in in tennis. Mm, it does right? Yeah. Then I think we're. I I think we are going to get a doubles match tomorrow still it would feel so wrong if we don't get a doubles in the final yeah mm. I think we're given get what doubles. we've what had think, this Matt? week given how this week has played out just nobody will stop Nadal though Spain no, will win Spain will win yeah I, I'm not sure we will get a doubles I think I think Spain might get it done in the singles I think that they're they have had the tougher side of the draw in terms of rest. Nadal actually shut down the the press conference in quite respectful way, but he basically said, "I know you're all doing your jobs. I need to do mine, and I need to go to bed." Um, kind of thing. We all need to rest, and everyone oh. kind of accepted that. Um, One five a.m. Right, finishes enough. I'm going to pull yeah. in a doll. <laughs> And on that note... In a respectful gonna... way, Catherine Whittaker just informed everyone that we all need to rest. <laughs> Catherine Whittaker has just left the WhatsApp group. Um, and we are all going to leave the tennis podcast on that note <laughs> for tonight. Anything else before we do go, Matt? I don't want to cut you off in your prime. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I've covered most things that happened today. I mean, I can't remember what happened much earlier because so much seems to have happened this this evening it seems to be every every day you you think all oh, the mornings are really interesting story and then whatever happens in the afternoon in evening morning night just seems to <laughs> just seems to take over yeah it's just just to let you know dear listener it is 10 to 3 in the morning for matt right now and he's done this every day for the last seven days for you and I hope you're enjoying it here on the Tennis Podcast. And we are as well in a sort of can't really keep my eyes open and <laughs> look at the screen anymore kind of way. Uh, we've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Um, mascot this year is Rio with a Y. We're going to have new mascots next year. We're going to be, we're gonna be uh, starting our crowdfunding uh, a week on Monday and you have your chance to 
to get into the mascot world, folks. Um, if you want to prep your dogs and cats and tortoises and whatever else you've got, um, we'll, we'll accept <laughs> anything, really. <laughs> As long as, as long as you you go for it and pay, <laughs> that's all you need to do. Anyway, um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with another tennis podcast after the Davis Cup final tomorrow. Hope you're enjoying it. See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.